Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, big announcement today. We'd like to introduce our newest sponsor, New Trail Brewing Company, brewed right here in central Pennsylvania, delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. You know what your biggest dilemma is going to be? Is which of the many options to select? That's why I recommend the Hoppy Variety Pack, New Trail's Hoppy Pack. It's an absolute crowd pleaser, packed with four different hoppy beers for everybody at your tailgate or campfire or wherever else you drink beer. In fact, you can just sit in your living room and drink beer if you want. I recommend New Trail. T. Frank, big week or so for Penn State in camp. I always say a quiet camp is a good camp. Things got a little noisy last week for Penn State, didn't they? Yeah, where do you want to start? Because there's a couple things both inside and outside the program that happened. Uh, and, And some of them, you know, maybe some people saw coming, others... Caught people by surprise. So where do you want to start the betting? Let's start on the most recent. Ken Talley. We hardly knew ye. Um, yeah. Four-star <laughs> four recruit out of Philadelphia. I'm a, I guess since he signed his letter of intent, we can't call him a decommit. He's a transfer portal guy. But uh, I, I don't know. Did he even make it into camp this year? Yes, he was at camp. He was participating with the defensive line. Uh, the both of the times that we were allowed at practice, both the first and the second week, so he was a part of the team. But whether he was enrolled at Penn State or not at any point, I don't actually know. That's that's you know what. Um, it's a very murky situation. I'll just I'll I'll say that, and I don't have any reporting on this. It's just what I've been reading and some of the information I've been trying to understand about the situation. He was supposed to, and this is this is kind of the timeline. He was supposed to enroll sometime this summer, either in the first se- the first session or the second summer session. Neither of those things happened, and when those things start to happen, I start to get concerned. Like those are kind of red flags about the situation. Of you've got to have that stuff buttoned up to really focus on football, and you know that ultimately he made it to camp on time. And then two weeks later is no longer a part of the team. So whatever transpired behind the scenes is the reason he's he's not a Nittany Lion anymore. Yes, and it's always a little dangerous and a little bit tough I walking that line of conjecture. Yeah. But with the timing and as you said, with a little bit of the outstanding issues, not enrolling when he was scheduled to. A lot of people put two and two together on this, but I think especially with the timing and the other circumstances, you, you got to think this is not your standard um, transfer portal candidate because, gee, I'm not getting playing time. I yeah. thought I'd be first team yeah. and I'm not. This one is probably a little bit different and there's probably some other kind of uh, reason going on here. As I put all that out there, I'll say, but I don't want to conjecture. So that one, that one is a loss. Meanwhile, another lost player, uh, Keziah Holmes, 
uh, decided to hit the transfer portal. I think the only surprise here, T. Frank, might be the timing. Yeah. It, there's five running backs who all expected, I believe, to see playing time, and that just wasn't going to happen. This seems like the inevitable. And it also comes right after Penn State's first scrimmage on Thursday. So, again, you know, not knowing exactly everything, not knowing the inside details or any of that stuff. James Franklin has said in the past that these moments, these scrimmages, they use as kind of a barometer for where people are and kind of sets the table for the next phase of camp. And the fact that he was no longer on the roster, I think, Saturday and then officially announced on Monday that he's in the transfer portal after that, again, I think reasonable A to B analysis is that, uh, you know, I commend him for not just transferring right in the spring where he was behind some of these guys, you know, was not one of the lead backs despite being a veteran and trying to make it work, you know, trying to stay and trying to win a, in a win a spot. But at a certain point, it becomes pretty obvious, I guess, you know, I would imagine. and. He's no less talented. I still have a huge crush on his abilities. I think he's going to be a good running back somewhere. It's just not going to be at Penn State. And and I think that's a uh, reasonable read of what happened. And, you know, I, I said this the other day on uh, my show that I, I don't think that even with him transferring, even with really never making a, a significant in- impact at Penn State, you know, I don't think it was a misevaluation by the staff. I don't think it was a recruiting miss necessarily. Um, and ultimately, that's where you have to land on the analysis. But he's still a very talented player that can go somewhere else. And I think we're going to hear his name later because you don't find players that are 217 pounds that run like him that can break tackles. Uh, and how much he's able to do that last part is going to determine how good he is wherever he goes. But I just, you know, I still think he's a talented football player that just it didn't all come together for him in Happy Valley. T. Frank, the issue that I have is the timing. I don't know. Well, first off, doing this right now, will he still have time to hook on with another school? No. So the one-time transfer portal timing is over. So he will, if he transfers, it will be to play somewhere else next year. And it's not the greatest plan, you know, to transfer now because what if somebody gets hurt? You know, what if somebody what if there's a some bad situation with Penn State where they lose two or three one or two running backs, which kind of is how we saw Kaziah Holmes in the first place. So, you know, he is eliminating his ability to play football this year. I think you can uh, assign for a waiver. You know, you can try to get one of those waiver clauses. I don't know at this point if that gets him immediate eligibility, but um yeah, as of right now, he can't play anywhere this fall, but he can obviously still put his name in the portal and transfer. I think this is a fail in here somewhere by someone. I'm not sure who. As you said, maybe credit to the kid for sticking around, but this seems like a conversation that should have been had in the spring. There's five running backs, not going to have all five playing come the fall. Yeah. Whether it was him being able to see the handwriting on the wall, or the coaching staff explicitly coming right out and saying in the spring, Kazai, you're probably number five of the five. Yeah, now, or maybe maybe he was four, you know? I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know where Devin Ford fits in this category, too. 
in terms of what's his role going to be. Is he going to have a specialty role in the offense? Are they going to treat him just like a running back? Because he's, he's 190 pounds. He's the, almost the same weight, I think, as when he got into the program. So I don't know. You know, the, I, I feel bad saying a bunch of these things of I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But in terms of if I'm looking at the roster and at the depth chart, Katron Allen, I think, is surprising some people with his game-breaking ability. But that was not his profile coming into Penn State. He was a 225, 220-pound power back, much like Kevon Lee. So you had two speed backs. You had uh, two power backs. I wouldn't want to give one of those speed backs up knowing what just happened to me last year if I was Penn State. I wouldn't willingly say, hey, Keziah, you you need to get out because X, Y, and Z is going to happen. Like Part of the transformation is Katron Allen over the course of his eight months at Penn State becoming a little bit more of a well-rounded player from what I've casually observed without being there day to day. So, you know, I, I can make an e- I can easily make an argument for there was a role for him. He just never stepped up and grabbed it, if that makes sense. It, it does. I just feel bad for Holmes that he already sat out a year last year. If he yeah. has to sit out another year, that's two years of sitting. That that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, let's get, uh, Real quick, Tamari and Parker also decommit. Uh, Four-star, big-time kid out of yeah. Alabama. His commitment was a bit of a surprise, so I'm not sure we should be all that surprised about the decommitment. Um, so, you know, we talk about Ken Talley, and and Tamari and Parker is a much bigger loss, despite the fact that he was never actually a Nittany Lion. And this is what I mean. Uh, Ken Talley is a former linebacker that was transitioning to defensive end. He was a three-star to on in on three's rankings. I personally struggled to see it a lot of times with Ken Talley, but that was one of those situations where I was going to trust the experts here and let it play out. To Marion Parker, you can see it. TJ Parker was uh, a high floor, high ceiling sort of player that can be very good and I think is a bigger loss to Penn State's defensive end picture because of that. Um, what I've heard, and you can check out, you know, my coworkers talking about this. I'm just kind of repeating what they say, but George is in the mix here. Like this is a decommitment. He's, there's a good chance he's going to end up at Georgia. So once again, can you, can you blame a kid for going to the national champion for saying, you know what, this is what I wanted at the time, but then Georgia came back into the mix and they suddenly wanted uh, to have a second look at Tamarian Parker. And if he ends up there, you know, that's the third Nittany Lion commit that Georgia has flipped. And there's only a couple of programs that can do that. And one of them just happens to be in a situation. And I think this is interesting to go back. And I, I have to do some digging here. Did, did Georgia miss on their first target, you know, on a top 25 guy? And then they went down their pecking order. And then the next guy was, okay, TJ Parker, maybe he doesn't have the upside of some of these other guys from an athletic profile, but he's B plus at everything, A minus at some stuff. And then they come calling and I I just, I don't know what Penn State's supposed to do there, especially in the NIL era where Penn State is playing by the spirit of the rule. Well, it's the situation where I always go back to no Penn State fan complained when Yazid Haynes decided to go to Penn State and decommit from Rutgers. Yep. So if that's the case, we can't blame the kid if he decommits Penn State and decides Georgia is the right place. One last item I wanted to get your take on Jackson Smolik, the new quarterback commit. Penn State, they needed 
they needed to get a quarterback in this yeah. class. They needed a body, but is Smolik more than just another body to throw in the quarterback room? Uh, that's a little bit TBD. And here's why he broke his collarbone and, and it was a bad collarbone break at the beginning of his junior season. First, first series of his first game. And then he came back for four games, two in the final, I think two in the regular season and two in the playoffs. So after having surgery, and that should give you an, of how bad the bone was broken, he came back and played. So I can't really make a realistic determination of his arm strength or his athleticism or his running ability when he's coming back from that. Like, that's a that's a big thing. So, you know, we saw him in person. He's got good zip on his balls underneath. I don't know about his overall arm strength that doesn't present on on film. But again, what is what is it when it's at full strength? I don't think it's going to be elite, but it might be good enough that it's not. I think he will always be a three star. But how much of a three star is he? Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got a lot more to come. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two of the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing. Created for the betterment of craft beer. Come join our adventure. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, we've been reviewing the different positional groups kind of leading up to opening day here. The only position group we haven't talked about yet are the defensive backs. That's a pretty good area to hit. Are you ready for that, my friend? I'm, I'm more than ready. I'm super ready. I'm super duper ready. 
How about ultra ready? <laughs> well, there you go. That, now you've you've just gone to eleven. I can't counter that. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's let's go to it then. Defensive backs. I think this is an area of strength for this team. Let's start with the cornerbacks. Joey Porter is the given. T. Frank, I thought Kalen King was the given for the other cornerback. But we keep hearing this name, Johnny Dixon, over and over and over again. Might he be yeah. a threat to crack the uh, the starting lineup? Uh, I, I don't think crack the starting lineup, but alter the starting lineup. Now you have three corners, I think, that you feel good that could start. Um, and this is this is kind of the situation I'd look at it uh, this way. This is what I expected from Johnny Dixon last year, truthfully. Coming from he was a pretty high four star player himself, chose South Carolina over the Nittany Lions, transferred to Penn State. Um, he was he was playing as a I want to say a redshirt freshman or a true freshman when he was at South Carolina. And that level of athleticism, that level of pedigree, that's talent. Like you, you can't ignore talent. It didn't work for him last year, and I was a bit surprised. I think Kalen King coming in and being as much of a revelation in the spring as he was was kind of changed, changed the game, but new system, new scheme. Um, he's a year older. He's a, you know, com comfortable here, I imagine. So his talent is finally taking over. And now you've got three players that have legitimate talent. And I, you know, I, I've said before, I think that both Kalen King and Joey Porter Jr. are NFL talents. And I think that they're probably, you know, with King, I want to see a little more, but maybe a borderline starter in the NFL. Johnny Dixon is a player, you know, like I, I see him as a player. How long he plays, I don't I don't know, but he's absolutely a player. So now you've got three, play, you know, you've got three at that position, along with the guy we don't talk enough about, a Marquise Wilson, who was a ball magnet as a uh, as a freshman in 2019. So they're four deep at that position. And then we haven't even considered the Daquan Hardy at all, who might be one of their most talented and productive corners, but he plays third down. He plays that, that nickel corner position. So they are maybe as dip, deep and talented as they've ever been at, at cornerback. And you can never have enough of those guys. And when you have the high end talent too, like the, the first round potential pick in Joey Porter jr. Then you have something that can be transformative for your defense. I'm glad you brought up um, Marquise Wilson. He really burst onto the scene as a true freshman, T. Frank. Then there became that two-way player thing. Yeah. And which just the thought that he might be able to do that talks to his talent. But I'm wondering if you're doing the kid a disservice by having him focus on two positions instead of just one. So look at it this way. We just talked about guys that I said are players and I like, I want to give a soft NFL future to, to um, Johnny Dixon. You know, like I don't want to come out and say it, but I kind of think it, it took that plus having Tariq Castro fields, you know, don't forget Tariq was in the cornerback room last year, all those players, they were four or five deep last year. So are you doing him a disservice by burying him on the depth chart? Or are you trying to use his unique skills and finding a way to, to get him on the field. He has some, you know, slot receiver capabilities. They didn't have anyone behind Parker Washington last year. I think it was a reasonable use of his time, but in the long run, if he truly is a corner, which it seems he's truly a corner, then maybe it did slow down his development at the position 
but you're weighing the immediate and future needs of the team all at the same time, always. So in the moment, I don't want to second guess those decisions when you had an obvious need somewhere else and you had a depth of players where you moved to out of the position last year and now you move them back and you still have that depth. I, th- I think it's a, a fair um, it's a fair question to see that it didn't work, but that's kind of grading the results on the process, which I don't think there was anything wrong with the process. He was an insurance policy for that receiver position. Uh, You mentioned Daquan Hardy. It's an interesting case because he was used so exclusively as that slot or nickel cornerback. It's almost like that's a separate position, T. Frank, than the cornerback room. So, again, with all of the depth you now have at cornerback, it seems like that's what, uh, where we're going to see Daquan Hardy again, and that's where he does his best work. That So last year I was trying to find a place for Johnny Dixon, and I thought in my head, okay, Dixon's bigger. He's six feet tall, 190-ish pounds. Maybe because he played slot for South Carolina. Maybe that'll be where he plays for Penn State. Maybe he'll push Hardy for that position. And that was shut down almost immediately in camp. Like that just wasn't going to happen. So, again, that's how talented this group is. And Daquan Hardy talked about in the spring, you know, he's not just that. He feels like he can be a bigger presence. He can play the run. He can do more. And there's just too many mouths to feed on defense. That's really the situation you find yourself in where you've got all these talented players. And Terry Smith probably wants to have three DBs on the field at all times. But, you know, you've got Jonathan Sutherland. You've got uh, all the safeties, which we haven't talked about yet. So there's 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 depth, there's potential, and there's high-end talent. This is a very good unit. And as much as I'm pumping them up this year, they're still going to give up touchdowns. They're still going to give up yards. So, like, again, the down-to-down plays aren't really going to define this group. It's going to be the impact of, you know, turnovers, punts, things like that. All right, let's go to that safety position. It all starts with Jair, Jair Brown, who... You know, I don't want to use the term breakout because he, I think, did a great job last year. But can he take the mantle from Jaquan Brisker as not just a really good safety, but the team leader back there at safety? Yeah. Uh, yes. Now, I so I'm interested in what I see from from Tig Brown. He, he his nickname is Tig. Um, so if Jair's hard, Tig is, is, is much easier. Thank you. I will, I will go that way. That's yeah. smart to help me out. Go ahead. So, so we're talking about Jaquan Brisker, who I've said is the best defensive back I've seen at Penn State, regardless of position, during my time watching the Nittany Lions. I, I'd, I'd go back to say as far as since 2000, you know? So replacing that is not, I don't think that's going to be a thing he can do, but I'm interested to see what his, his physical skill set is now that he is in that role. Cause he's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. He looks great. He's physically a strong stout player, but I don't know that he has the speed and the length and the range of brisker. So can he do all the same things? I'm interested to see if he can, uh, he needs he needs to get much better against the run. He talked about his run fits last year after the before the bowl game. That was something he and I talked about of needing to improve. And uh, from there, he's obviously got the ball skills. So he is absolutely the team leader. That's not the question. It's are you going to be able to replicate what you did last year with him as the focal point? And who's going to be the Tig Brown this year? 
that is going to be the other safety that works in tandem and 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 has that relationship like he had with um, Brisker when both guys came from Lackawanna, had a similar path to Penn State, had an understanding, were friends. I think they were roommates. So all that stuff, you've got to find a new way to do that this year with a new cast of characters who, again, are deeper than they were last year. There's legitimately four players that have talent that can play in the in in the secondary. Well, let's talk about that. The second guy, you got Keaton Ellis, Zakee Wheatley, Jalen Reed. Did I miss someone? Did I miss a candidate for that uh, second guy out there? Uh, KJ KJ Winston, the true freshman, is another guy. I just I don't know where to put him. I don't know if he's the striker. I don't know if he's a boundary safety. I don't know if he's playing this year, but he's got a very mature game. And I, I see I, I'm excited to see what his potential is. But those are the four guys that you you mentioned. Those are the four that are going to play the primary positions. Now, during the spring game, what I saw, and this is just the lineup I saw and what I wrote about it for Blue White Illustrated is Tig Brown and Jalen Reed are the boundary safety. They play that strong position. And then on the field side, you have uh, you have Keaton Ellis and Zaki Wheatley, both former corners, both playing that quasi free safety. Now. Are they playing left and right? Are they playing field and boundary? That apparently switches depending on their personnel. So I'm interested to see what they do this year. And from that group, Keaton Ellis is the veteran, but it's not like he's played a lot of snaps at safety. He transferred over to that position, got injured, came back last year, and was a part of the conversation, was a part of the depth chart and rotation to where he was taking snaps from Jonathan Sutherland. But Zaki Wheatley, 6'2", 190 pounds, super athletic, former corner, has corner-like skills. You know, I'm super, I'm super high on his ability. How quickly he gets there as a redshirt freshman, how dependable he can become and not make mistakes is going to determine that position, in my opinion. It, it's an interesting uh, process that we're going to see, and the depth there is really impressive. Now, what was also interesting to me, and you and I have had this conversation over and over again, at linebacker, there's a safety now being switched to a linebacker or not. He's <laughs> just perhaps that extra safety there instead yeah. of a linebacker in Jonathan Sutherland. You and you and I love calling the position striker. I'm not sure. Are the Penn State people calling it the striker position or no, that's they, left they, over from Miami with Manny yeah, Diaz, right? Yeah. So I've been calling it the striker position this offseason because I haven't asked Manny Diaz what he calls it, but also because it, to draw attention to the difference from Sam. But they he called it the Sam the other day. So it's still that strong, uh, that, that field side linebacker. Just as an aside, here on the Keystone Kickoff Show, we're calling it the striker position. It's Very a cool good. name. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so who are the candidates? And you mentioned KJ Winston as a candidate. Is there anyone else in the safety room that you're thinking could be the backup striker? So I don't know if he is. I just think he has the skills to do it. He's already 200 pounds. You know, he's 6'2", 6'3". He's a big kid. Um, but the guys that are there right now are Sutherland. I don't want to take a discredit Dominic DeLuca. He's a former high school safety. Didn't have the speed to play in the secondary at the next level, but this is a perfect opportunity. Switching scheme, a little bit of upheaval. He might be a, a walk-on that sees time this year. And then the guy to watch for this year for sure is Tyrese Mills, the Lackawanna Community College transfer. Holy cow, is he physically impressive in person. 
He has the exact frame, the physique, everything you want as that guy to play that hybrid hybrid position. So I could see him working his way up and getting snaps this year if he can adjust quickly. Very good to you, Frank. All right, that's it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we've got your questions, and we're going to ask T. Frank. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching a game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. With four different hoppy beers, the hoppy variety pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. As I said, it's quarter three. You know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions about Penn State football and recruiting. We present them to T. Frank at the end of the segment. T. Frank will pick a best question, even if he doesn't like any of them. He'll pick the cream (laughs) of the poor crop, as we saw last week. No offense to our... To our folks who send in the questions. No offense. Hopefully no offense. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not driving question askers away because I love this segment. I do really enjoy the segment and your questions. Keep in mind that no offense theme. It's going to come up again here, T. Frank. If you want to ask a question to T. Frank, if you dare ask him a question now, download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button and away you go. All right. Let's start with, oh, by the way, the winter, the winner of the segment, as chosen by T. Frank, wins the book, Why Penn State by Greg Woodman. It's a great read. It talks about how Penn State became Penn State, mostly from the decade of the 80s. If you're an old guy like me, you remember that decade fondly, T. Frank. Let's get started 
with Tom in Arlington who says, T. Frank, Jim has stated on this show that he feels the offensive line will actually be better at five all five positions this year. What is your opinion? No offense, Jim, but I'd rather hear it from T. Frank. Now, before you answer the question, T. Frank, I just want to tell Tom from Arlington, no, I am not offended. Okay? Uh-huh. A little bit hurt, <laughs> a little bit disappointed, but not offended. All right, T. Frank, I declared, I think they're going to be you, better at every one of the five positions on offensive line. What say you? So I, I had a similar conversation with my wife recently and, uh, you know, a little, little inside. I was late today to our recording because uh, we're buying a house and something cropped up and I just got distracted by a house thing. But my wife has been very nervous throughout this process, and she's worrying about every single thing. And one of her clients at work said uh, some quote about wait to worry, like wait to panic until there's something to panic about, which I've said since the very beginning. But because it came from somebody who she isn't married to, it actually hit hit home. She's like she texted me this thing about like, look at this thing. I'm like, I, you know, I didn't use those words, but I said that for sure, like eight times. And you just yelled at me. So, uh, yes, I know how you feel, Jim. I know exactly how you feel. Tom, I do expect that the offensive line is going to be better. Uh, All five positions. That's an interesting phrase. Here's my question. Juice Scruggs did not play well last year. He played average, I'd say. He was was not a weakness in the offensive line, but he was not on on an area that had no strengths. He was not a strength. He did not make a tangible uh, above and beyond difference. Does moving to center change that? Uh, but even if he's the same, I think that's an improvement if everyone else around him improves. And I expect that from left to center for sure. And then the question is Hunter Norzad and Caden Wallace. Caden Wallace has been working very hard on his physique. He's been working very hard on some of the areas to play tackle, right? Bend, flexibility, mobility. The things I talked about last year that he he was lacking. But does he have the quickness just does his body have the quickness to get reach blocks and to protect the edge? So better. Yes. That doesn't mean he's going to be excellent. That doesn't mean that all of these guys are going to be excellent, but I do expect the offensive line to take a step forward from a production standpoint because the running backs are better. Uh, the tight ends performed well last year, but you didn't notice because everything else was kind of a mess. And then you've got more physical talent on the offensive line. I, there, there's not a player on this offensive line that has an, a reach under 32 inches. And the one that has a reach of 32 inches is possibly the best player, you know, possibly one of the best players on the interior. So I'm pretty high on this group as well, but I would stop short of saying they're going to be better at all five positions. Cause that makes it sound like they're all playing great. Some can play good. Some can play great. And some can be what they, you know, kind of what they are. And the, average the aggregate raises exponentially maybe not exponentially but quite a bit which position will they not be better t frank well i just i i start with the two guys from last year i'll start with caden so no 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 juice scruggs is going to be a better center than mike miranda like that i'm i'm confident in um I still have some questions about Hunter Norzad because I haven't seen it. And there were some times on film where he's given maximum effort and he kind of like bounce like he needs to so a little more technique. He needs a little more refinement. I'm assuming that's what he's getting here. 
So then it becomes Caden Wallace. And really, Sal Wormley's in that conversation at right guard. One of those two guys, I think, will be as good as Scruggs was last year and can present more run blocking. So then it comes down to Wallace. Has he really taken that step? Has his, his abilities, has he really rounded out his game? I don't know. <laughs> I So there's, a, you, you can change your stripes, right? So a Tiger can change their stripes a little bit. But what you are at the core is kind of what you are. And I don't know that he's going to turn into an all Big Ten tackle. I'll give myself the last word on the topic. I didn't say he'd be great but I did say he'll be better than last year. And that that's what yeah. I expect. Yep. Um, so in other words, T Frank, Jim was right all along. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Let's go to Joe in Hollidaysburg, who says since 2015, Penn state has had around 40 D commitments. Understand a few could be valid reasons, coaching changes, off field issues, but other uh, Power 5 schools are dealing with the same issues, and yet we are a leader among P5, Power 5 schools for decommitments. Is that acceptable for a team trying to break through to the top tier? Should Penn State try something different to avoid decommitments? Does it even matter? A review of those 40, only Justin Fields would be considered a big loss. And Joe's from Holl- Holidaysburg, and he also says, oh, by the way, Let's go Holidaysburg, go win the Little League World Series. If you weren't aware of T. Frank, Holidaysburg, their team won the Pennsylvania State Championship. I saw them play a bit the other day, a couple innings. They could swing the bat, which means something in Little League. It's not just, you know, they have one kid with a big arm. I saw them swing the bat for a couple innings. I also, T. Frank, because I have the benefit of reading these questions ahead of time, I get to cheat and investigate um, one of Joe's premises here with 40D commitments. I was like, is that a lot? I decided to check. I used, I only checked on one other team. I thought, who would be comparable to Penn State to check something like this? Ohio State is above Penn State. I'll put it that way. Many other schools are below. I use Michigan as a comparable. Yeah. In the same time period, Michigan had over 50 decommitments. So I'm not sure this 40 is necessarily a lot. And Joe also, I think, answered part of the, the other part of the question with, if he could only come up with one name, that's a loss in Justin yeah. Fields. Is it really an issue? All right, now I'll let you answer the question since it's called Ask T. Frank and not Ask Jim. So the only thing I'm going to add, because you, you you did a lot of things I was curious about, so thank you. Uh, and I was just going to ask a question in return to the question. But 2015 is a long time ago in college football recruiting. In the last, James Franklin says in the last five years, coach football has changed more than in the previous 20. And he's right. NIL, transfer portal, all of these things are having a major impact. Uh, Penn State's also in a very different place than they were in 2015. So I don't know that it's even the same. You know, we talk about eras in football. I don't know if it's even the same era. This is kind of the digital revolution where one minute you're uploading YouTube videos of somebody getting hit in, in the, in the groin. And all of a sudden now you've got full on TV shows on YouTube. Like it's that quick of a transition sort of thing. It really has changed, but I I think the problem we have is we all know Penn state so well and study it so much. Oh my, when, when you first hear that 40 decommitments since 2015, 
your initial reaction is, boy, is that a lot, until you look around and see it's happening everywhere. So I I don't think, uh, you know, Joe should be too, too concerned about that. Uh, Let's go to Scott in Lewisburg who says, I'm excited by the start of the season, T. Frank, but I'm really concerned about playing Purdue in the opener on the road. Do you share my concern? Sure. You know, I think if you're not careful with Purdue, they can boat race you. That's kind of what they've done to everybody. Uh, Penn State can handle them. I, Aiden O'Connell, I did I, I did this uh, breakdown on the BWI Daily Edition looking at Aiden O'Connell and the offense. And actually, I was starting to work on the uh, the defense yesterday. So they're, they're what you expect on the defense. I haven't fully gotten through there. But, you know, they're what they're, you'd expect on defense from Purdue offensively, Aiden O'Connell is one of the most aggressive quarterbacks in the Big Ten over the last three years, statistically and when you watch him on film. He'll put the ball anywhere. He'll put it right by the ear hole of a linebacker. He does not care. If that's the read, he's going to try and throw it to the read. So if you don't, if you're not on your game, if you're making mental mistakes, you're busting coverage, if you're not getting to the quarterback and forcing him to throw the ball poorly, which he will do, he's not an NFL quarterback with an NFL arm. So if you get him to throw off platform or off schedule, you get him to panic a little bit. He does all the things that co- the quarterbacks do when, when they don't have the ability to throw off one foot 70 yards down the field on a dime. Get him to do those things and you can get the ball and you can take the game from Purdue. But you can't let that offense get comfortable because Brian Brom is a good play caller. He can adjust in the middle of the game. He can adjust the scheme. He can adjust what they do. They do a little bit of everything, so you can't peg them down to one thing, really. But the one thing that Manny Diaz talks about, get the offense in third and long and then attack the quarterback like he took your TV. And I think that's a good plan. It's always a good plan. Pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I'm not. Sh- I don't think we have time for another question. I don't want to uh, shortchange it, uh, T. Frank. So it's time to pick out a winner. We had Tom from Arlington, Scott from Lewisburg, and Joe from Hollidaysburg. Where's your winner? That last question, uh, Joe. Or was that Joe? No, that was Scott. Ho- yeah, the last one was Scott. Scott, let's go, with Scott. Yeah, Tom right. comes in second, so he gets the he gets the silver bow here, but uh, the silver medal. I don't know why I gave him a bow. Who gets a bow? Like I was saying, it's you know what it is. It's fair season. So I was thinking back in the day when you when when I was in 4-H and I was getting ribbons for all my things. That's what I was thinking of. You you didn't get the purple ribbon, but you got the second place ribbon. I think it was red. <laughs> okay. Well, I I don't think we have a prize for second place, T. Frank. So poor Tom. Sorry about that. Actually, I'm not. You insulted me, Tom. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I am not disappointed that you came in second. We've got one more quarter to go. We have Nate Wilmot from For the Bloggy in with a real interesting segment that you want to stick around for. Stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galanti, and our guest is Nate Wilmot from the great website fortheblogie.com. Nate's the one who does those wonderful analyses that you see. Again, the website is fortheblogie.com. And Nate, you put out a really fascinating article this week where you've created your own algorithm. So we don't even have to watch this season. You've already been able to tell us what's going to happen, correct? Uh, so we made an algorithm. That part's correct. Yeah, and I, you know it's pretty good. Um, I did. I ran the bowl games last year and compared it to the SP Plus, uh, which is the ESPN kind of gold standard, and it did very well there. At least um, comparison against the spread, not quite as good straight up. We made some tweaks to it, um, and now it's fairly comparable straight up and against the spread to SP Plus. But uh, we predicted all the games, right, as you said. But going into the season, you know, it's such a so many variables going in that I, I think we should still watch the games and, and take this with a little bit of grain of salt at least, yeah? All right. Before we go to the spoilers and tell everyone how this season's going to end, boy, do I have questions for you, okay? Let's, let's, let's start with how you create this algorithm, what goes into it, and I know that's something we could probably take the next three hours talking about. But in simple terms, what do you use as the basis uh, for the ranking of the teams, which you then use to determine who will beat who? Yep. So um, for those people who read for me at For the Blog Year have followed any of what I've done over the past couple of years, um, I create a defensive and offensive efficiency uh, metric, which is some combination of explosive scoring and ball control and, and some other things. And to go into the preseason, I take um, last year's uh, offensive and defensive efficiency 
and then a little bit from the year previous and a little bit from the year previous that because teams tend to you know have momentum and, and there is some carryover year over year. Um, certainly 2019 is weighted far lower than 2021, uh, but we use that plus a little bit of expectation about the incoming talent um, and put all that together. Uh, and then you get a team's offensive and defensive efficiency expectation for this year. Um, you compare that to their opponent using a Monte Carlo simulation. So basically um, a random number generator that's between the expected maximum and the expected minimum. You run that a thousand times and you come up with an average score. And then we also looked at um, each simulation, the probability of different point differentials for the games, et cetera, et cetera. So using the history... That's an obvious route to take for some things, like you look at Alabama's history for the last three years, four years, ten years, and you look at Vanderbilt's history for last year, the last ten years, it's pretty obvious it's going to come out with Alabama as the heavy favorite, no matter how many players they lose, how much talent is coming in. But how do you balance that out? Or if you're looking at more specifics, a Jahan Dotson chose to leave and go to the NFL, how much effect does that have on a Penn State's offensive ranking versus, say, a Mitchell Tinsley who's coming into the program from outside? Right, and that's and, and that's part of it is to look at the talent. At, le at least the um, 24-7 sports does a good job of putting out their talent composite, and we kind of use that year over year to see um, how teams have maintained, at least at a certain talent level. Now, talent does not equal production in any way, shape, or form necessarily, right? Because if it were, then Texas would be the national champion every year or A&M or whomever. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you can look at consistency of a team. Like you said, Alabama is highly talented and they're also highly consistent. Um, Vanderbilt is somewhat less talented and less consistent or maybe more consistent but negative. Um, so it is a metric, but it's it's a fairly small part of the overall, just the talent aspect. It really it's more down to you know how how well a team did the year before and the year before and the year before that shows a um, more importance on the potential outcome this year rather than you know purely on the talent basis. Do you factor in the fact that the last two years, Penn State's performance, they've been a 500 team over the last two years. Obviously, that factors in, and but they underachieved, I think most people would agree. If you had done this two years ago, if you had done this last year, I don't think you would have projected them to be a 500 team. Does the fact that they would have projected higher those last two years change the expectation? Does it downplay or tamp and tamper the... 500 record which was so disappointing in the last two years at any point do you say well you know what they were probably better the last two years so we're not going to just we got to factor that in also so i don't i mean in my heart i 100 percent you know uh tamper those expectations and and kind of have my own perspective on what should happen um but for the actual math and just the calculation that we run now i mean i, I put it in and going into the season Penn State has the 53rd best offense, according to this, uh, in FBS. Um, and that's certainly a factor of last year's fairly mediocre offensive performance, 2020, which was actually better than 2021, uh, but still a fall off from 2019. So, you know, 
I, I try. I think they should have been better last year. If Sean Clifford didn't get hurt, they would have been better last year offensively. But you know that happened, and and I don't want to bias it that way, right? I want to be very fair to all the teams, and I don't know nearly enough about the rest of them to make those same adjustments. Exactly, and I think that's the understanding fans have to have when you put together something like this. It's based on percentages that the overall college season, this is what happens. One more question before we get to uh, Penn State specifically and their season, which you projected in your article, is you make reference to the home field advantage. And there, is it going to be the what we always hear, which is three points? Is that just a given so you'll always give the home team three points, or does that vary? No, I've... I've messed around in the past. Um, there are some websites that have kind of built out home field advantage by team, right? So Penn State always gets a little bit higher. A place like Purdue is actually, frankly, a little bit lower. Uh, but for the sake of this, just to make it easy, I did three points, which, you know, does swing games one way or the other. And if we talk about Purdue specifically, um, I've got Purdue beating Penn State 27 and a half to 26 so by one and a half points and you know that three-point home field advantage is that entire difference or you know or, or swings the game one way or the other so um i did it like this I, I think i'll do it like this just for now but as we go through the season and get a little more specificity um and we actually see how good teams are and what they are you know generating home versus away we can we can do a better job of, of honing in on that all right let's get to the penn state season that you projected spoiler alert Let's get it from you, Nate. What did you project as Penn State's record for the season? So, I, for what it's worth, the over-under on Penn State is um, eight and a half, I believe, right? And I have them yes. probabilistically. So, like, if they play Purdue, they have a 40% chance of beating Purdue, for example. Um, so that would be 0.4 wins to 0.6 losses. I have them at 8.42 wins and 3.58 losses, which, you know... I don't know. If anybody in Vegas is listening and would like to hire me to build projections, I would be happy to do that. Um, and then on an absolute basis, eight, eight and four. Again, I, I hate that. I don't think that's. I think we're gonna. I think they are gonna be far better than that. I think they're gonna be, you know, closer to ten wins or more. Um, but that's where it shakes out right now, and a lot of that is a function of mediocre offensive performance over the last two years, really dragging them down. And let's let's just say the four losses you have them losing to Purdue, Auburn, Michigan, and Ohio State, correct? Yep, yep. And Purdue, I mean, if we just take one second on that, Purdue is a actually it's I have them a thirty percent chance of beating Purdue, but again, it's very close. It's within a point and a half. Auburn, um, I give them forty two point three percent. That's within zero point five points on average. So you know that's again within the home field average swing. Um, Michigan, they have a nine percent chance to beat Michigan. They they they're projected to lose by nearly a touchdown, uh, and then Ohio State we shall not talk about right now. <laughs> okay, well if you look at it, I, I looked at the season and another spoiler alert because I'll talk about my predictions later. But my project, I typically when I look at a season, I look at the games. These are the wins. These are the losses, and these handful of games are what will sway the season. Mm -hmm. And I looked at two games that are I project as losses, which are Ohio State and Michigan. And the couple games, I actually had a third game, but two of the three games that I had as, these are the toss-up games that will determine their season, 
Two of the three are Purdue and Auburn, yep. which are the closest games that you have projected for Penn State, but you have them both on the losing side. So those two games themselves could be the difference between eight and four, nine and three, and ten yeah. and two in essence. Correct? I, I think I think that's true, right? Because yeah, I have them like the Purdue and Auburn, as I said, are basically within the margin that I gave them for home field advantage. And now Purdue, I, I just looked yesterday at Athlon and Purdue's picked to finish last in the SEC West. Penn State should be able to beat the last place team in the SEC West. Um, Purdue, better probably than people expect going into the season. I have them overall ranked 23rd to Penn State's 16th. Um, but, you know, they and you'll see something coming out of it for the blogging next week. Um, they've lost a lot of offensive weapons. They lost some start, a lot of starters on defense. Um, maybe they're a little bit overrated going into the year, whereas Penn State, um, with tons of offensive weapons and knock on wood, a strong offensive line is probably a little underrated offensively. So we'll learn a lot in that first game about, you know, really the trajectory that we expect for Penn State and, you know, the Big Ten West. All right. Very good, Nate. By the way, if you want to read more, you want to see the game-by-game analysis, how things are projected by Nate, it's fortheblogy.com. That's fortheblogy, B-L-O-G-Y.com. You'll be able to see this article from Nate and all his other things that will be there. And as he said, you've got more coming out next week. Yep. So, Nate, I really appreciate you coming on. Tell you what, I enjoy your projections. I'm still going to watch the games, though. Is that okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. And, and uh, just a parting shot here, right? Every week I will update the I'll, I'll update the ratings and then we'll update the projections accordingly. And I am 100% sure that the Penn State-Michigan State Projection will be different in you know early November than it is right now. So you know these are not static things. Okay, so if we want to see the updates, we could just go to the website and we'll see that updated as, as the season progresses. There and um, on Twitter at PSU underscore analytics. Yeah, that's my Twitter handle. Okay, PSU underscore analytics. Make sure you follow that. All right, thank you, Nate. Appreciate all the information. Thanks, but that's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure that you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack with four different hoppy beers the Hoppy Variety Pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.